days I was in bed when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. So today we will have a celebration, but before we celebrate welcoming the wedding, we've got to listen to the word of God. Amen. And uh, in what I'm going to share with you today, <clears throat> it's a challenge for all of us. Maybe let me start by saying to you, when the Lord Jesus comes, what counts is the fruit that you bear more than the gift that you had. That's why Jesus says to some, I will say when they come to me on that last day, I will say, I never knew you. They will say, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? And he said, I will say to them, I never knew you. Why? Because gifts is what God gives to us so that we can be a blessing to other people. But the fruit is your character. It's who you are. And that is what counts before God. Amen. And there are times sometimes in this life when you find that people want to... Um, they don't treasure what they have. And you don't see how important it is that you are a child of God and you need to live a principled life. Unfortunately, when we look at the people of the world and say, why do they behave like that? Why is there so much corruption? Why are people unfaithful to their spouses? Why do people do this? Unfortunately, you find it even among Christians. And it's not good. As we go into the book of Hebrews chapter 12, If you are not principled, let's say you don't know what God has done for you and you don't know why you are a Christian, you will live a loose life. You will live a life that's like people of the world and people will not be able to distinguish between you and the world. As you're going to this Hebrews chapter 12, we'll start it from verse 16 and 17. I just want to show you something. That there are things in your life that are very important that you should never trade them. Your integrity and who you are is very, very, very important. Sometimes some of you, somebody comes to you and they offer you a bribe. Say, no, you can get this tire for, you know the tire is 2,000 rand, but if we make arrangements, you can get it for 300 rands. You know, these uh, white people, they don't pay us, you know. Uh, so sometimes, so, and when a person says that, you know that they are going to steal that tire and give it to you. And you still want it and you want your car to be protected. <laughs> if I were the devil, I was going to say, no. That car I'm chasing after it. It's got something that belongs to me. So it means it's very important never to trade your integrity for anything else. So the simple example is Esau. In Hebrews 12, 16 to 17, I haven't told you yet what we're going to be talking about, but read with me, Mr. MJ, in the message translation. Hebrews 12, 16 and 17. I want you to look at this because sometimes what you have or who you are, you don't take it that it's very serious and then you trade it for something and later you realize, sure, I've lost it. Just read for us Hebrews 12, 16 and 17. 
um, message. Okay. Watch out for the Isao syndrome. So what is the Isao syndrome? Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. Okay. <laughs> do you see that? Usually we are faced with that trouble. Sometimes you know this is the right thing to do. I know I stand for this. But to satisfy a short-term appetite, you trade away that. Look at the result. You will know how Esau later regretted that impulse act and wanted God's blessing. But by then, it was too late. Tears or no tears? <laughs> okay. Just repeat. Repeat from verse 16. I want you to look at this and look at the importance of never trading your life for anything else. Never trading your integrity for anything else. Mm. Knowing this is what I stand for and this is what I believe in. You can come and dangle a carrot before me. I'm not going to fall for it. It says, sometimes people trade what is more important for a short-term impulsive. Some of the things that you people do is because it was just a short-term gain. And now you fall into that, but you don't look at how much it will cost you. Can you tell your neighbor, it's costly to sin. Mm, it's costly. Especially when you've made a long strides, a lot of strides with the Lord and... You keep on going for the short-term gain. You give up on the things that count the most. So just repeat that 16 and 17, Hebrews 12. Watch out for the Esau syndrome, trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You well know how Esau later regretted that impulse act don't and we all sometimes, after that impulsive act, you regret, isn't it? Why did I do that? Okay? The Lord's grace is sufficient for you. The Lord will still forgive you if you come to that point and realize, Lord, forgive me. Why did I do that? But at least before you do it, shouldn't you then now think, I don't even have to do it? Because look at this. You well know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing. But by then it was too late, tears or no tears. You know that the birthright that he sold, it was gone. Gone for good. And you know what he sold it for? A morsel of bread, small stew. Are you not also trading what is precious in your life for a morsel of bread? Or a small stew. The reason why people trade what they have sometimes is because they don't have a revelation of what God has invested in them. They don't have a revelation to know what their life, what is still ahead of them. There's still so much that the Lord wants to do through you. And then you look at it and say, no, but if I trade this, I'm going to go off track and I'm going to miss out on that which what God wants to go, do through my life. So that's why if you have a vision, if you have a purpose in life, you won't easily be enticed into sin. Go with me to Proverbs 29, 18. We'll do it in the voice translation and then the New King James Version. 
Because the reason why most people are not disciplined is because they don't know what they have. They don't know how precious God has invested in them. You remember the scripture that says, we have this treasure in jars of clay so that the excellency may be of God and not of us. So if I've got something so precious, Paul says, God, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, there is something in me that's so precious that I can't trade. So read it. Proverbs 29, 18, the voice. And then we'll do it in the New King James Version. Where there is no vision from God, the people run wild. Okay. Where there is no vision from God, the people run wild. Why? Because you don't have anything that restrain you. You just live the way you want because you don't have anything at stake. But those who adhere to God's instruction know genuine happiness. Now do it in the New King James Version because I want to link these two. It's the same scripture but in two versions. So do it in the New King James Version. So in the voice it says, where there is no vision from God, the people run wild. Where there is no revelation. Amen. You see now. In other words, where you don't have a revelation of what God has in store for you and what is still ahead of you, you're going to run wild. You will cast off restraint. You will be undisciplined. So just read it, the whole of it. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But happy is he who keeps the law. Okay. So the reason why you find some people, many people living the way they want and they have no discipline is because they have no vision. It's because they don't have a revelation of what is still lying ahead of them. Some of us, we know what is ahead. And we know we can't get there the sinful way. We've got to get there the godly way. There is so much at stake. And I think this should be a challenge in each one of us. Because sometimes you take things for granted and you take shortcuts. You will pay for shortcuts. That's why we pay for toll roads. Okay, there was this thing in Limpopo. I'm not talking about the e-tolls. I'm talking about the real toll roads in Limpopo. Those ones, so there used to be this road a long road that you go around. They then brought a tall road that would go quicker and simple. But when they brought that, they wanted us to pay. So, for shortcuts, we pay. Amen. Mm. Take the right way and not the shortcut. Uh, like Mr. Netanyahu said, last week we were told about entering through the gate. People usually like jumping through the fence or coming through the back door. But there is a right way of doing things. So it says where there is no vision, other versions will say people perish. But it says people run wild. People, when you don't have a revelation, you lose restraint. You, you think it's about other people. You know that there are people who say, 
I know they don't see me, so I can as well see. Huh? You sin because you think, no, the pastor won't see me, so and so won't see me, I can do anything I want. It's because you've got no revelation. You don't know that it's not about the pastor, it's about you and your God. Amen? When you have a revelation and know why you're living godly, then you will be a disciplined person. So today I want us to talk about a principled and a disciplined life. A principled and a disciplined life. How many husbands or wives do we know, or maybe not even know, who are unfaithful to their spouses? It's many. And they even have a term for it, they call it extramarital affairs. In my language, they even say, as if it's something good. What? You've got no vision. That's why you are loose. You don't know what is at stake. That's why you, are, you have no restraint. Young people, some of you sex before marriage and you think it's no problem. It's actually peer pressure. Everybody else is doing it this way. Hmm. It's so much at stake. And you don't know. You take a shortcut, you will pay for it. Okay? What is even more tragic? You find young people who are already maybe in a relationship who are going to get married to each other. And then they know that sex before marriage is sin, but they still do it anyway. Don't you think you are already exposing, you are already showing each other that you are not faithful? Because that's the same person. After you have married them, and now the person is in Joburg and you are in Cape Town. <sighs> I'm not sure. <laughs> because I know that one doesn't fear God. When we were together before marriage, we were still disobeying God. So what will change now? So, But if you were principled even before marriage, she can trust you even, even if you are overseas. She knows I don't have to always go with him. I don't even have to check his phone. Because by the way, I hear that most people fight because of the phone. That's why most of them, of you keep them logged. You can only get in through passwords. So all these things is because if you don't fear God as a person, nothing else will make you a disciplined person. Because you will only do things when you know people can't see me, then I can go off track. If I think people will see me, then I will behave. Have you ever wondered why, even we talk about governments and we talk about corruption, it's because people have lost, people lose constraint, people lose restraint, because they've got no vision. They don't know what is at stake. There is no revelation. So I'll give you an example of a few people from the Bible who knew what is at stake. And they made up their minds. I'm going to live for God and I'm going to be faithful no matter what. That is living a disciplined and a principled life. 
Go with me to the book of Daniel chapter 1 verse 8 in the Good News Translation. Daniel 1 8. I want you to see that for most things in this life, you need to make up your mind. Make up your mind. When you are a young person, make up your mind and say, I'm going to live a pure life before God. When you are a married person, make up your mind. We're going to welcome the wedding today. You guys, I believe you've made up your mind. I'm going to be faithful to my husband. I'm going to be faithful to my wife. I've made up my mind. Amen. Daniel 1.8. Good news, Mr. MJ. Daniel made up his mind. Okay. Daniel made up his mind. Nobody will make up a mind, your mind for you. You must make up your mind. I'm determined. I'm making up my mind. Even the things that you were challenging us on, uh, Mr. Netanjen, linking what we have with God, the source. You make up your mind. Amen. You make up your mind and say, I've made up my mind. I'm going to be a blessing in the house of the Lord. I know what God has done for me. I will take a portion of it and say, thank you, Lord. This is a token to say, I appreciate what you've done for me. He made up his mind. Daniel made up his mind not to let himself become ritually unclean by eating the food and drinking the wine of the royal court. So he asked Ash Penaz to help him. Okay, other versions will say he made up his mind not to defile himself with the food of the king and, and, and the wine that was there. So it's like you say my body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I've made up my mind. This body will not be defiled by worldly delicacies. That's how you make up your mind because you treasure what God has bestowed on you. You treasure what God has made you to be. Then you make up your mind. I've made up my mind. Can we all say, I've made up my mind. Amen. It's making up your mind like Daniel. Because if you look at Proverbs 11. We'll do 3 and 4 in the message translation and in the Amplified Classic. Because I told you, if you've got no vision, if you've got no revelation, you're going to go off track. You're going to live an undisciplined life. No wonder you've been living the way you wanted because you didn't have a revelation of exactly what God has in store in you. What God has in store for you ahead. What is so precious in your family. Look, let's say you treasure your marriage. You treasure your marriage and you want your marriage to last long. Do you think you can be unfaithful to your wife or to your husband? You make up your mind and say, this is so precious to me. This is so precious to us. I'm not going to trade it for anything. I've made up my mind. Proverbs 11, 3 and 4 message. And I will do it in the Amplified Classic. So MJ, do it in message. 3 and 4. The integrity of the honest keeps them on track. Okay. Can we all say the integrity of the honest keeps them on track? It means those who don't have integrity, those who are not honest, they are off track, off rails. Okay? 
The integrity of the honest keeps them on track. Not because people would see me if I do this. Not because I know uh, now I think I'm in the dark and I can do this. No. It's because it's my integrity that keeps me on track. The integrity of the honest keep them on track. Continue. The deviousness of crooks brings them to ruin. <laughs> what happens to crooks? <laughs> the deviousness of crooks brings them to ruin. So destruction, disaster is waiting for you. It's just a matter of time. You might say they don't see me. That's why even in corruption, things get, they catch up with you years later. You thought you, 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 you had managed to hide it and all that. You will be caught. Continue. A thick bankroll is no help when life falls apart. Mm. But a principled life can stand up to the West. I like a principled life. I like to live a principled life, a disciplined life, where I say, I stand for this. This is what I stand for. I'm not going to be moved. This is what I believe. There's so much at stake. I have a revelation. I have a vision. I have purpose in life. I can't just live any other way that I like. I know what is at stake. Amen? In the Amplified it says, the integrity of the upright shall guide them. But the willful contrariness and crookedness of the treacherous shall destroy them. Riches provide no security in any day of wrath and judgment, but righteousness, uprightness and right standing with God deliver us from death. So the integrity of the righteous will guide them. But if you are crooked, you will be caught. Just a matter of time. By the way, these days, there is even other diseases that may catch up with you. There are people that if you are unfaithful and then the other spouse of the other person gets it, they come for you. So, so there's so much at stake. Okay? So the, but the integrity of the righteous shall guide them. It will keep you on track. Go with me to Isaiah 32.8. I like this one. We've been sharing this at our home for quite some time. Because this one, Isaiah 32.8, why I like it. You know that sometimes you do the right thing. You stand for the right thing. But other people, when things favor them, they say it's right this way. When the things don't favor them, the very same thing that he said it was right, now it's no longer right because it doesn't favor him. Have you seen that's how people behave? So in other words, people don't stand for what is right. They stand for what favors them. So today they will tell you, it's right to do this because they know they benefit. Tomorrow when they are the ones who should lose something in that transaction, then it's no longer right. So, sometimes you feel like getting discouraged because you think, I always do the right thing. I always stand for what is right. But these guys are taking advantage of me. I may also be tempted now to start playing the same game with them. But look at Isaiah 32.8. 
but an honorable person acts honestly and stands firm for what is right. An honorable person acts honestly and stands firm for what is right. I'm standing firm for it because it is the right thing to do. Not because I feel comfortable about it. Amen? That's what we call integrity. Integrity is when you stand for the right thing even if it's not favoring you. Amen? Even if nobody sees you. That's when we say you've got integrity. Because Let's say now you are faithful to your wife because you think if she finds you, you will be in big, big, big trouble. Then you're not doing it for the right reason. Amen? Doing it for the right reason is when you say, I have a revelation. I have a vision for my family. I know I can't allow these other things to start coming in and choke this blessed marriage. Then your integrity will guide you. Then the vision, because you've got a vision, you've got a revelation, you know what is at stake. You know why you need to treasure that. You also know, I'm doing this because I love my wife. I'm doing this because I, ha- I love my husband. How can I do such a thing against my husband or my wife? Okay? So the integrity of the Russia shall guide them. It will keep you on track. Look at this. Look at it with me in Genesis chapter 39. I want to show you something. I want to show you the difference between integrity and people who do things right because they are afraid they will be caught. There's a difference. Because when you know you will never be caught, then you will go for it. Okay? But if you say, I can't do this thing because I fear God. And I know that I can't hide anything from God. You remember when the Bible says, where can I hide from you? If I go to the sea, you are there. If I go to the ends of the earth, you are there. I can't hide from you. Even before I act, you already know even my thoughts. That then should keep you on track. So look at this. Genesis 39, it's 6 to 23, but I'll just pick some verses on it. So, it was the time when Joseph, I want us to look at Joseph as another example. We'll go back to Daniel again. Because I want to give you an example of people who were people of integrity, who lived disciplined lives. Lives of principle. So, he was taken to prison, he was taken to Egypt, sold by his brothers. For having dreams. Okay. So I would call those dreams a vision. Okay. Joseph had a vision. He knew that his brothers and his parents will one day bow before him. And that kept him on track. Okay. You remember where we read it was saying the integrity of the righteous will give, keep them on track. And it says where there is no vision, people lose restraint. People get undisciplined. Now, Joseph had a dream. He knew that God has got something in store for me. There is somewhere where we are going with God. 
My life is not just ordinary. There is something great that God wants to do through my life. Amen? Now, he was in Potiphar's house. Potiphar turned over everything he had to the care of Joseph. It's Genesis 39 from verse 6. And did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Joseph was well built and good looking. So it seems Joseph was beautiful. Verse 7. And after a while his master's wife began to desire Joseph and asked him to go to bed with her. Okay. Something is brewing here. He refused and said to her. You see people who know when God gives and when the devil is giving. You've heard people saying, Muzima finger chant. No, sometimes it's the devil giving. So you need to know who is giving. Okay? So, the wife of Potiphar began to desire Joseph and asked him to go to bed with her. He refused and said, Look, my master does not have to concern himself with anything in the house because I am here. But he has put me in charge of everything he has. He knew who he was. I have as much authority in this house as he has. And he has not kept back anything from me except you. Now look, the integrity statement follows. How then could I do such an immoral thing and sin against God? You see the difference? Can I give you the illustration what others would have said? Those who think God does not give with a hand. You know what they would have thought? Are you sure Potiphar won't find us? Are you sure there is no way that he can come back anytime? Are you sure everything is... And if they had Trekker in those days, let's say they had Trekker and the car was on Trekker. No, I know now... He is actually uh, 100 kilometers away. There is no way he can be here. The trekker is very clear here. The integrity of the Russians shall guide them. Amen. So now he says, how can I do such an immoral thing and sin against God? So in other words, he knew that this is not just about me and you and Potiphar. This is about my relationship with God. But I've got a vision. I've got a dream. I know that God has got something special for me tomorrow. And I don't want to lose out on it. I can't do that. Although she asked Joseph day after day, verse 10, he would not go to bed with her. So it was not once off. This is what usually the devil does. He comes and you say no, he comes again. He wants to know if you are sure of your no. Isn't that how Eve was tempted? You remember when the serpent came to Eve? The serpent said, did God really say you can't eat of any tree in the garden? And then Eve said, no, God said we could eat any tree, any fruit in the garden, except the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden. That we must not eat it and we must not even touch it. Because if we do that, we are going, we will surely die. And then the serpent said, you are not going to die. 
God knows that if you eat it, you will be wise like him. Now listen, the Bible says, Then she looked at the tree, and she saw that it was something that could make one wise. So what the devil was preaching now is starting to make sense. Okay? It didn't start like that. She looked at it, and it says, she saw that it was a desirable tree that could make one wise. That's how the devil entices you. So usually sometimes you find at the start you say, no, devil, no, no, no way, devil. That's a good start. But how do you end? You know, even Jesus, when he was tempted, first temptation, it is written. Did the devil go away? Second temptation, it is written. Third temptation, it is written. Fourth temptation, it is written. And Jesus was getting tired now. Get thee behind me, Satan. Amen. Sometimes you need to do that. So when it comes, it is written. He will try again. It is written. And when you feel you are tired, tell him, get thee behind me, Satan, in Jesus' name. Because it comes as enticing thoughts. And you think it's you. It's the devil playing with your mind. Okay? So he says, how can I do that? And then she asked him day after day. And he would not go to bed with her. But one day when Joseph went into the house to do his work, none of the house servants was there. She caught him by his robe and said, come to bed with me. But he escaped and ran outside leaving his robe in her hand. Don't you think in this one, Joseph should have said, ah, but she forced me. God, you know, she forced me. Eh? The integrity of the righteous shall guide them. Amen. The integrity of the righteous will keep them on track. So he ran. It's not stupidity to run away from sin. There's this song. It doesn't need prayer. What's that? Valeka. You know that song? Yeah. She says, don't reason with Valeka. So just run away from sin. It's safe. Because some of you think, no, even when we are in a relationship, no, we're so close, but we'll put the Bible in between us. Hey. Valek. She caught him by the rope, but he ran. He escaped and ran outside, leaving his rope with her. Don't you think if there were some funny people, like some of your friends, they would have said, ah, brother, you are so foolish. Brother, <laughs> if it were me, would have been Christmas time. So he left the robe and ran out of the house. She called to her house servant. Look at how the devil behaves, guys. Sometimes you will be, because this was a setup. Now she has his robe. <laughs> Look at what she says. She called the, 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 the servants. She said, She called to her house servants and said to them, Look at this Hebrew. That my husband brought to this house insulting us. He came into my room and tried to rape me. But I screamed as loud as I could. When he heard me scream, he ran outside leaving his robe beside me. I've got evidence. I've got the evidence that he wanted to rape me. But what does this teach some of us? Sometimes it's good to walk with somebody else as a witness. It's not safe. 
sometimes just to be the two of you. Because if she puts a trap like this, and she's got the evidence, don't you think all of us would have believed it? Yeah, we'd all have believed it. How did your robe, how did your jacket remain in her hand? What were you looking for there? Then, she kept his robe with her until Joseph's master came home. So she had the evidence. Which was a wrong evidence, isn't it? But she had the evidence. Then she told him the same story. That the Hebrew slave that you brought here came into my room and insulted me. But when I screamed, he ran outside leaving his robe beside me. Joseph's master was furious. Fairly so. Joseph's master was furious. And had Joseph arrested and put in prison where the king prisoners were kept. And there he stayed. Verse 21. Look at when you are a righteous person, when you've got integrity, the Lord will never abandon you. So he's taken to prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and blessed him. Amen. The Bible says Esau, for the morsel of bread, he wanted to enjoy a short-term pleasure and lost what counts most. But look at Joseph. Joseph refused a short-term pleasure for what he knows is the right thing to do. He stood for what is right. And the Lord blessed him. The Lord was with him. Don't you think that's what counts the most? If I've got the Lord, if the Lord is with me and he blesses me, it doesn't matter what you think in your eyes I'm losing out on. Amen. I've got a revelation. So the jailer was pleased with him. He put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners, made him responsible for everything that he has done in prison. The jailer did not have to look after anything for which Joseph was responsible for. So look at Joseph. When he came to Potiphar's house, he was put in charge. He goes to prison, he's put in charge. Why? Because the blessing of the Lord was with him. And he was a man of integrity. It says, because the Lord was with Joseph, and made him succeed in everything he did. So it pays to live righteous before God. It pays to live a faithful life. It pays to be a person of integrity. Okay. The Daniel that we talked about. In Daniel chapter 1 verse 8. Who made up his mind. I want you to give, to give you another example in Daniel chapter 6. Verse 1 to 24. I will again here just pick some verses. Because you need to live so much for God that when people want to trap you, they will not have anything to say about your life. They will realize you live a blameless life. They, you don't give them something that they can use against your life. So it happened that one time there was this King Darius after, you know, in those days, so we had the Persian Empire, we had Babylonian with King Nebuchadnezzar, and you remember the, the dream that he had, and the head of gold, and going down, and all those kingdoms that were going to change one from another. Now, after the Babylonian Empire, there was this, the, 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 the Persian, Medo-Persian rule, and we had a guy called Darius. This one, he feared God. But what people did at that time, because he had put Daniel and other two people, so he put three, so he was in charge of the government. 
again, people, the integrity of the righteous will guide them. And then he made Daniel and other two people, so there were three presidents who were in charge to run the affairs of, the, of King Darius' kingdom. And under those three, there were other people. Now, people started being jealous of Daniel, like people can be jealous of you. Now, they made, they said, how can we pull him down? Which means there are people who may plot to pull you down. How can we pull him down? Because not everybody rejoices in your success. That's why the Bible says, let them shout for joy. Who favor my righteous cause. Let them say the Lord has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. Amen. So now, they wanted to trap him. But look, verse 3. Then this Daniel was distinguished about, above the presidents and the subtraps because he had an excellent spirit that was in him. So he was a man of integrity. Now verse 4. Then the presidents and the subtraps sought to find an occasion to bring accusation against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no occasion or fault. For he was faithful, nor was any error or fault found in him. May it be that when people look for fault, they will find nothing in you. When they look for something to accuse you of, let them find nothing. Then they said, I like this, we shall not find any occasion to bring accusation against this Daniel, except we find it concerning the law of his God. So they say, the only one way to catch this guy, go for what he believes and set trap there. Because he will still go and get what he wanted because he believes that way. So they knew that Daniel was a prayerful man. They said, okay, let's go to the king, King Darius. We want you to make a rule. So they were putting it as if they were honoring the king. You are a good king. And according, we want you to set up a rule that no one for the next 30 days, no one should pray to God except with your permission. They knew that they were going to catch Daniel here. So for some of you, it would have been a simple pass, isn't it? You, just, you were not praying even without, a tra without an accusation. So, so this was a good excuse not to pray. You were not praying anyway. Now you've got an excuse. You know, it's like people who say when they want to drink wine, they keep on saying, Jesus changed wine, uh, water into wine. If you want to drink your wine, just drink your wine. Leave the scriptures, leave the scriptures alone. You see, that's the thing, because sometimes you just want things to try and... No, I mean, just do your things. Okay, so now, for this one, instead of him saying, you can see people are, they don't want us to pray, what can we do now? He knew that they had set up a trap. And they said, according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, it cannot be changed. So he signed, the king signed and sealed it, that whoever prays to any god over the next 30 days, without, except for the king's permission, that person will be thrown into the den of lions. And the king signed it. You know, now, now they got Daniel, isn't it? But if it were some of you, they would still not get you because you were not praying anyway. And also with this now, Lord, what can we do? The government, we must honor our government. 
The government says we can't pray. What can we do? Now, listen to Daniel. Let's go to verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem. He got down upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. The integrity of the Russians will guide them. Amen. So he says, I know what they are saying, but I'm not subservient to them. I'm subservient to the Lord. So we're supposed to honor our kings, just like even ladies. Usually you hear this thing that you must submit to your husband. You must respect your husband. As long as you respect God. But if you come with things that are contrary to God, and you say, no, you can't go to church. I'm the head in this house. <laughs> now, you, now you're making a difficult thing because you want me to choose between you and God now. So now you will be in trouble because I know who my first choice is. Amen? So, in this case, Daniel decided, I'm staying with God. And he used to pray three times. Now, after the law, he still continued to pray three times. They said, we caught him. Went back to King Darius. King Darius, this man disrespects you. He's praying without your permission. We, we know he prays even three times a day. He's praying without your permission. And Darius, because he loved Daniel, he thought, Shh. And he didn't want to call Daniel at first. So the Bible says, they went back to him and said, King, remember, the law of the Medes and the Persians cannot be repealed. This law stands, even if it's the Daniel whom you love. Then the king called Daniel. But I like the words that the king said. The king said to Daniel, even when they were throwing him to, he did almost like Pilate. You know Pilate when they were going to crucify Jesus, he washed his hands and said, I find no fault in this man. But because you want him, you can crucify him. So now, King Darius says, Daniel, the God whom you serve day and night. I mean, if it was, imagine somebody who is the one who's throwing, who's making you to be thrown into into the lion's den. But he says, the God whom we serve day and night, may he protect you. You are a man of integrity. May they, you remember the verse we read earlier. It says, the integrity of the righteous will guide them. And somewhere when he went to the next verse, it says, your righteousness will save you on the day of death. Okay? So it was this time then, if he was going to be thrown into the den of lions, his God has to protect him. And he did. Look at this. So verse 16. Then the king commanded and Daniel was brought and cast into the den of lions. The king said to Daniel, may your God whom you are saving continually deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords that there might be no change of the purpose concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music or dancing girls brought before him, and his sleep fled from him. So he was really feeling for Daniel. Then the king arose early in the morning and went in, in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den and to Daniel, he cried out in a voice of anguish. The king said to Daniel, O oh, Daniel, servant of the living God, 
Is your God whom you serve continually able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God has sent his angel. By the way, take note, one. One. He didn't even need a thousand. He sent his angel and shut not one lion's mouth and shut the lion's mouth so that they have not had they have not had me because i was found innocent and blameless before god it pays it says your righteousness will save you on the day of danger the, the verse we read earlier it says riches will never save you but your righteousness and your integrity will save you on the day of danger so he was saved O king, I have done no harm or wrong. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel should be taken out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den and no hurt of any kind was found in him because he believed and relied on God. And the king commanded, now look, this is what happens for people who are looking after, who are chasing you. Payback time is coming. Don't keep on going after people of God. God fights for them. Okay? You remember when Haman put a trap for Mordecai and they built gallows to hang Mordecai in? Who was hanged in those gallows? Haman. So sometimes when you are going for people of God and you're setting traps for them, you are setting traps for yourself. Because when God delivers them, now look, those, if, if, if those uh, lions were not so hungry when Daniel came, they were made to fast. Mouth closed. Because he said, Daniel said, their mouths were closed. It's not that they were not hungry, so I don't know the extent of hunger. But the mouths were closed. So now, the angel said, Daniel is out. I don't have to keep the mouth closed now. Now listen. The king, verse 24. And the king commanded that those men who had accused Daniel were brought and cast into the den of lions. Now, did they have a God who will deliver them? And lions are by now very, very, very hungry. And I think it was good because Daniel was one. Now here, look at what they will give them. Not one. So it was feasting time now. They cast into the death. They, their children, their wives. <laughs> so, so I think I think it was fair for the lions. <laughs> they were probably saying, now we understand why we had to fast. <laughs> this food is too much. And their wives, and before they ever reached the bottom of the den. The lions had overpowered them and had broken their bones into pieces. Amen. So this one we had to read it because it also says you need to watch out what when you try to go against people of God. Amen. I think for the sake of celebration, let me read one other verse and I will allow us to celebrate. I know it's nice sometimes we get carried off, but it's good when the word is sweet and good for our spirits. But for today, let me end it with Paul. 
Because Paul also was principled and disciplined. Then we'll pick it up next time. Go with me to the book of Acts chapter 24. We'll do 24 to 27. In this one, I want to show you that sometimes people, they will do things for you and they want a certain bribe. You remember the other time I told you <laughs> I was phoned by somebody from the municipality who wanted to give us water. And he said, we can give you the water. We know you're not getting water yet. We can give you water. Give us 7,000. You will use that water even when you build. You can just end. There's no meter. But this, the, the mistake that this guy had made, he said pastor when he started. He even knew that I was a pastor. And I said to him, you just said to me, pastor, and now you're telling me these things. Do you think we can do that? He said, no, everybody is doing it that way. So to him, he was actually surprised. What is new? Which planet do you stay in? That's how it's done. Then I said to him, okay, so is it does the municipality then know? He said, yeah. Then I said, okay. Is it then going to be, is it legal in a way that things should be right, written and then the municipality become aware of that? No, it's not legal, of course. I said, but you just said I'm a pastor. No, even other pastors are doing it. The integrity of the righteous will guide them. Amen. Now, the issue of bribe, it's very prominent. It was there even during Bible times. I want to show you. Okay? Look at this. Paul, bribe. So he was taken to prison. And this governor, during his time, Governor Felix, you remember even during the time of Pontius Pilate, he said, don't you know that I've got power to release you? So, as the governor or as a king, I can release you or keep you in prison. So now he says, 24, 24 to 27 NIV. Acts. Several days after Felix came with his, his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about his faith in Christ. You see, Paul was talking about his faith in Christ. Imagine now we are talking about faith in Christ and people want you to bribe them and you still bribe them. Do you think they will take your gospel? No. Look. As Paul talked about the righteousness self-control and judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find convenient time, I will send for you. At the same time, you want to read it for us, Mr. MJ, verse 26, NIV, X 24. What was Felix expecting? At the same time, he was hoping that Paul will offer him a bribe. So he sent for him. And sometimes you think when you are offering bribe, you think you have an invention. You think it's starting with you. No. The devil has been the devil all along. Even before you were born. Okay? At the same time, he was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. You said the, the people who want bribe, they will talk and talk. and Even when they you don't want to be written a ticket. Okay, you committed a traffic offense and they talk and talk and now they want you to do a cool break. 
Okay? I remember one time, many years ago, I was rushing a bit. Usually I don't rush. And I was also still relatively young that time, so I could rush a bit. Yeah, it was, it was long ago. It's probably around 96. Yeah. It's many years ago, isn't it? 1996. So I was rushing. And they stopped me. I stopped, went out that road. Why are you so much in a rush? Where are you going to? I said, no, I'm rushing for a meeting. So we're going to the university where I studied medicine and then we're going there. And I said, no, I'm going to such and such a place and this and this and this. Then this guy said, it was a white guy, he said, yeah, doc, doc. yeah, you, you can see here we are thirsty, man. It's, it's, it's hot here. Can't you do a bit of cold drink? Then I saw, I knew that the cold drink is in exchange for a ticket. <laughs> then I said to him, I, I really feel for you that you need a cold drink. But unfortunately, I can't offer a cold drink in exchange for a ticket. So it means the ball is back in his court. He can decide now to write me a ticket for refusing to give him a bribe. He knew his, he knew his, his game is closed. You, see, you know, if let's say, it's not that I don't give people cool drink, but I don't give cool drink in exchange for a ticket. Yeah, because if you want to give him, then give them cool drink without first having been stopped, having first broken a rule. So I didn't give him a cool drink. But he also knew that now if he writes a ticket here, he will be in trouble. So he let me go. No cool drink. I retain my integrity. So even here it says Paul, they thought he was going to offer him a bribe. He did not offer the bribe. Now verse 27. When two years had passed, that's sometimes what you do. For not offering bribe, sometimes you go the long route. Stay for it. Two years had passed. Felix was succeeded by Portius Festus. But because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. What do you think would have happened if Paul had paid a bribe? He would have been released. He said, uh -uh. we do it the godly way. We enter through the gates. Amen. 